welcome friends in the room. Gosh. And friends in Fort Worth and El Paso and wherever else you are, it's flooding outside. And it's going to be a great night. We're going to talk and continue this series for uh, the next 30 to 35 minutes. I'm going to start with a story that will give us some traction for where we're going. A uh, few years ago, a uh, girl on our staff now, but at the time, was interviewing to have a position, uh, interviewed and applied at Watermark, and she lived in Cocoa Beach, Florida. And so as she was going through the process, we hadn't met her yet um, and really didn't know her. We were connected with other people on our staff who said she had, she had interest in applying, and she applied, and we want your team to set up a, uh, a conference call or a Skype and, and get some time with her on the phone. So we set up kind of the interview with her as a team, and, and uh, our administrative person set up and coordinated all six people on the young adults team and uh, got us all in a room, conference phone there, and, and we made the call. So I uh, began to call, and, and her name is Elena, and so you know, we took out the big conference kind of phone. You put it right in the middle, and you dial it up, and you uh, dial the number, and, and they were calling, and ring, ring, ring. She doesn't answer. So I uh, leave a message going, hey, Elena, this is David. I'm with the young adult team here at the uh, porch in Dallas. I think we're supposed to have a phone conversation or, or a phone interview right now, so I hope you're doing well. If you get this message in the next few minutes, uh, call us back, and I share the Watermark phone line, and um, let us know, and we're looking forward to it. Hang up. And then our team begins to engage in, in um, somewhat playful, like, speculation, if you will, about, like, oh, Cocoa Beach, I wonder what she's doing, and everything from, like, oh, man, she's totally on the beach right now, and one girl's like, oh, I bet she's, like, having Mai Tais and just hanging out tanning. I know Florida girls. This is what they're like, I'm telling you. And, and she's like, Christianity is just different out there. I went to Auburn. I know. And, uh, <laughs> and it was, like, total just, uh, man, yeah, I'm sure it was, and all in playful fun. And then we hear this. To send your message, press two. To erase and re-record, press three. And it's like the room went silent. Oh my gosh. I'm gonna as carefully as possible press three right now. Three. Re-record after the tone. Hey, Elena, this is David from the, <laughs> from the watermark. I'm in the porch. It's just really, I believe we're supposed to have a phone conversation. And then it ends and it's like, what were we supposed to say to make it hang up? Is it pound? How do we send this one through and make sure? And terror is striking us of like, what if somehow the other one is already being listened to right now? How does that even work? What is it Sprint, AT&T? What phone system even has the whole like press two at the end thing? And, uh, and we're trying to figure out, confirm, man, hopefully the right message went through. And, um, and it was a reminder. And what ended up happening, here's what's even funnier part of the story, is she was... Um, our administrative assistant had coordinated all of our schedules and no one had ever reached out to her. So she was just at work that day. There was nothing going on at all. And we laughed. She ended up coming on our staff and we laugh about it now. But at the time, it was another reminder, a reminder of the lesson of the danger of talking about people behind their back and talking negatively about people behind their back. I mean, think how, how uh, damaging that would have been had you got that message and been like, man, I, I'm done with this church. I don't wanna interview here. I don't wanna be a part of this ministry. And these people are just mean. And that Auburn girl, she's got something coming. And uh, <laughs> think of what could have happened. And the reason I start there is because tonight we're gonna talk about the uh, vice of gossip. We're in this series called Vice and Virtue where we're exploring cultural vices and uh, biblical virtues to complement or to go with them. Really what the Bible says we should replace those vices with. And gossip is the topic for tonight. Everyone's favorite topic. And, 
And the reason why, and that's a joke, by the way, I don't think anyone's favorite topic is, yes, please, gossip, that's my favorite. And uh, tonight, we're gonna explore what I think many of us already know about, you know, the crazy thing about gossip is it almost goes without saying, we all know it's not a good thing. We all know that it's damaging to relationships specifically. Like the reason why the Bible is so anti-gossip and the reason why even your experience has taught you and you know from your own experience, like gossip is not a good thing and it's not a good thing because it is so destructive towards relationships with people. That in the history of the world, there's never been any two people who are like, you know what the secret sauce of us being so close is? We talk bad about each other behind their back. Like that doesn't happen. It's not a recipe for success and it destroys relationships. All of us from very early on in age, we are taught, hey, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. These people <laughs> were taught that early on. And the rest of you, good luck. Uh, but we know that it's, it's dangerous because it can be so destructive towards relationships with one another. But tonight, we're gonna explore even more so why God is so anti-gossip. I mean, inside of passages we see in the Bible, he includes it in lists of sins. Like there's these different places where God says, hey, here's what the um, you know, expressions of an evil person will have inside of their heart. Romans chapter one being one of them. Where, where in the list, Paul says, man, a expression of an evil man is someone whose life is full of murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness, and gossip. I mean, it is a, it's something that God takes very seriously. And the reason he takes it so seriously is because as we've all experienced, it is toxic towards relationships, and it is destructive towards relationships. Some of you, your biggest hurts in life have come in, in this season or in high school or in college or maybe with coworkers because somebody talked bad about you and you found out. Somebody said something that wasn't true. Somebody said something that was hurtful. Somebody said something that, that um, you, you ended up finding out about, and it created such a wound. And so before we go any further, let me just define gossip. By gossip, I mean very specifically talking negatively about someone behind their back to someone who's not a part of the problem and not a part of the solution. It's often based on rumors, which makes it even worse, but it is talking negatively about others from behind their back. And the crazy thing, despite the fact that we all know it's so bad, uh, I mean, everybody does it. Uh, even on church staff. Sometimes churches, you know, Christians are the worst at this. Maybe you're back in church for the first time in a long time or first time ever, and part of the problem you have with God or with church is because you got in the mix of Christians that uh, were judgmental and full of gossip. And they didn't just hurt your perspective on them, they hurt your perspective on Christianity, on God. And so tonight, hopefully, we're gonna hear from God's word how that was never part of his desire. He does not want his people to be marked by the quality of gossip. We're gonna look specifically at how you and I can remove gossip from our life, but before we go there, we're gonna look at the reasons why we gossip biblically, the results of gossip inside of our life, and the way that you and I can remove it. We live in a culture that doesn't just tolerate gossip, it celebrates it. I mean, let's, let's be honest. Like, between The Bachelor and, you know, Entertainment News and People Magazine, it's like all about what's the latest tidbit and uh, juicy um, info. And it is destroying the church when Christians who claim the name of Jesus allow gossip to be a part of their life. And so we're gonna dive in and explore the re re reason, uh, the reason, the reason, and uh, the result and the uh, remedy for gossip today. So here we go. This comes from Proverbs 18.8 as we talk about the reasons why we gossip. It says this, the words of a gossip, this is Solomon writing in Proverbs chapter 18. Proverbs is essentially the book of wisdom on how you can live a life 
that is in line with God's design. And it says this, the words of a gossip are like choice or delicious morsels that go into the innermost parts. Solomon says, here's why gossip, here's the reason why gossip is so alluring. Here's the reason why gossip is is something that despite the fact that everyone thinks it's a bad thing, so many of us do it. So many of us find ourselves talking negatively about, oh my gosh, can you believe that Sarah did X? Or man, did you see she leased a Mercedes? I thought she was having money problems. It's so easy for any of us to step into it and even to want to be on the receiving end or to be on the uh, receiving end and just tolerate it and allow it in our life. Solomon says the reason why is because there's something about gossip where it is like delicious morsels inside of your life or inside of mine. It's like this delicious food that, man, I just want some of that. So these are, these are cake balls made by a girl on our staff named Morgan. And they're like the best thing of all time. Uh, by far, my favorite dessert, if I was gonna eat something, it probably would be these or, or um, something like ice cream. They make cake look like uh, it, it should no longer be uh, baked ever again because of how good these things are. And she'll make them, and it's hard to resist. I mean, I'll, I'll find myself, if they're around me, I just can't help but want to dive in and eat them. And Solomon says that just like a delicious morsel is gossip, the words of gossip, hearing about uh, others and negative things inside of their life is like there's something seductive or um, in a weird way appealing about it. And there's all kinds of reasons why it's appealing. Uh, for some of us, it's like, there's just something, and think about how sick this is. There's something about hearing about your shortcomings that makes me feel better about myself. Like, one of the reasons why we gossip, underneath the reasons of gossip, is it's like, it's a self-esteem boost. For you, it may be, oh man, it's like, it makes me feel better to hear about their relationship falling apart. Mm, tell me more, how's it going? For others, it's, it's uh, all related. <laughs> I can't do that anymore. It's all related to pride. If there's something inside of it where it just feeds pride inside of us, maybe it's just entertaining. A lot of times, especially ladies, um, it can be just out of boredom. I just, I'm entertained and we're kind of bonding over this. It's something we do together. And that's the reason we gossip. Other times it's because of hurts. The reason I will talk bad about someone behind their back is because man, at some point they hurt me. And, uh, and I feel almost justified in talking badly about them. This is just how they are. I've experienced them before. I've worked with her before. You just need to watch out for this. And we feel almost justified in it. Whatever it is, there's all these different reasons why it's almost appealing. Um, sometimes it's just, man, I, I feel, uh, I wanna be approved or accepted. I have this like people-pleasing thing in me and I feel like important when I'm sharing insider information about someone. You know what, all of the reasons why we gossip, whatever yours would be, all of them have in common, they're all bad. Like, there's no excuse, there's no good reason biblically to gossip or talk negatively about someone who's not there behind their back, ever. Like, it's almost the genius of the illustration, candidly, for Solomon, where he's like, dude, in the same way that these are delicious and they are incredible to eat, they're also really bad for you. Have you ever noticed that, like, there's this weird thing about the wiring of the universe as it relates to food? For whatever reason, we'll find this out someday. When God created the world as it relates to food, it's like everything that tastes so good is so bad for you. And everything that tastes so bad is so good for you. Like, like, uh, like kale. Last week I had a kale salad. This is the most disgusting plant I've ever eaten before. I mean, it's the worst lettuce that's out there. And, uh, and yet it's so, I'm gonna live an extra five years, I think, for eating that. Because for whatever reason, that's how God made the world, where he's like, man, everything that's so good like this is so terrible for you. And everything that doesn't taste great 
is so good for you. And Solomon would say, man, that's exactly how gossip is. It tastes so good going down. You won't even realize it. It's so appealing. It's appetizing. Yes, tell me more. What's going on with her? Oh my gosh, I can't believe that. Yeah, we should pray for her. And uh, it feels so good to hear about it because it soothes. Honestly, it soothes kind of my insecurities about like, oh really? Gosh, that's gotta be rough. I mean, man, poor girl, poor guy. And it just makes me feel better. And Solomon says, hey, not only is it uh, delicious, just like a delicious food, it's really bad for you, and it goes deep into your heart. Uh, unlike uh, these that, you know, if you eat too many sweets or too many delicious morsels, I think we've all experienced this before, something called the freshman 15, or the, you know, the 30-year-old 15, and then the 31-year-old 15, or whatever, insert wherever your stage of life is. But uh, where you just, if you consume things that may taste good, what happens? They end up hanging around in not convenient places, like, uh, and you end up having them stick with you. If you eat unhealthy things, they stick with you. Solomon's point is just like that, but they're not gonna hang around and be extra weight that is gonna make you need to change your genes. They're gonna hang around and latch into your heart. Gossip goes deep into your heart, and it poisons you at the deepest level, and it feeds, here's why it's so dangerous, is it feeds the reason why you're gossiping. Like if you gossip because you have an addiction or approval, eat for the approval of man, you will feed. The more you gossip, it's going to feed that into your heart. If you gossip because of bitterness or hurt towards other people, uh, you're going to do that more and more and more. Whatever the reason that you gossip is, it goes deep into your heart and it feeds that, Solomon would say. It's going to stick around with you, just like eating a diet of not healthy things sticks with you and ends up showing up and having consequences. So it is with gossip in your life and in my life, and that's not the only. So the reason uh, and the reasons for gossip are not good, but there are also other results than just it sticks with you that the Bible tells us about. So then the second idea we're talking about is the results of gossip. What are the results of gossip? We've mentioned a couple of them, but one that we've all seen is broken relationships. The first result that um, we see very clearly in Scripture is broken relationships are as a result of gossip. Here's what Proverbs 16, 28 says. A troublemaker plants seeds of strife, and a gossip separates the best of friends. That a gossip can separate and gossip that information, talking negatively about someone's behind their back, can do such damage that even the closest of friends are susceptible to allowing gossip to come in and divide them apart. Even the closest community group, even the most godly Christian people are susceptible if they tolerate gossip or live kind of around people who allow gossip to experience that coming in and dividing a wedge between them. There's an expression that we've heard before, maybe you haven't, called loose lips sink ships. Loose lips sink ships. That's actually an expression that came about in World War II. The United States uh, had all these different naval fleets, and they were um, trying to make sure that no German spies got on and, and, and were a spy and really posing as an American soldier on those boats, and then those German spies got information and passed it on. So they came up with a phrase called loose lips sink ships. And the point of the whole thing was, hey, don't let this information go to even a single person that it doesn't need to go to. It only goes as far as it's very intended clearly to go. Only the absolute necessary number of people or people um, that have been designated are the ones who need this information. We don't share it with anybody else because loose lips sink ships. As in like they could sink this boat that we're on right now if it gets in the wrong hands. In the same way, this is what happens uh, inside of the church or inside of any relationship where loose lips sink ships. Only this time, stay with me, it's friendships. 
and relationships. I know, see what we did there? And it's true, as much as information being dangerous that it's gonna take down the USS whatever, when gossip or when someone uh, has the heart of a gossip is spreading information out there, even if it's true, but they're gossiping, negatively talking about people behind their back, they are toxic. And that girl is poison, that guy is poison. And it is destructive towards relationships. Think about your workplace environment. Think about the relationships that exist and the dynamics that exist inside of your workplace and how much negative conversation or how much talking bad about people is contributing to just like all the tension and dysfunction and relational uh, unhealth that exists there. In fact, the Bible even says that it is uh, gossip that is responsible for conflicts a lot of the time. Here's what it says in Proverbs 26, 20. That without gossip, or without wood, a fire goes out. And without a gossip, a quarrel or a conflict will die down. In the same way that, hey, if you had a fire, you lit one outside, and the moment it runs out of wood, the fire begins to kind of die out and just dwindle away. The same thing happens with gossip. When people begin to go around and talk negatively and say, man, did you hear about X person? And I think they're about to sell the company, and here's what I think is going to happen. Really, Beverly, you know, she's the problem. When that happens, Solomon says... That's the cause of the fuel that conflict runs on. I mean, when you look around your life and you look around the um, tension that you feel with family friends, with community group, with different people, how different with people at your workplace, how different would those conflicts be if you never ever talked about someone behind their back and no one you worked with ever talked about someone behind their back? How different would your perception of your boss be if no one talked negatively about him behind his back? I mean, think about it. I mean, some of you, like, the vast majority of what you know about the people that you work with or the people that you're kind of connected with, let's just stay in the work environment, the vast majority of, of maybe directors or people that kind of you kind of cross paths with, but your perception of them is not because of your interactions with them have created it. Often it's because of negative words that other people have shared with them. Hey, be careful. I'm just telling you, if you work with this guy, this is what you can expect. And for Christians, it is not acceptable. And it is an offense towards God because you make your Christian faith look like it has no part of of the way that you use your tongue. It destroys relationships. It not only does that, it poisons perspective. It poisons your perspective. Anytime that you hear gossip or anytime that you share gossiping, you're poisoning the perspective of someone else uh, in just the same way that anytime you hear gossip, you're poisoning or you're receiving a poison perspective, just like I said with that boss. I mean, here's, here's how powerful this is. Let's imagine right now that the person that you're sitting next to, as I'm talking, leaned over and said, hey, you know what? I heard that, I heard he's embezzling or stealing money from the church. Or, or hey, I heard that offstage, like he, he looks like he may be a nice guy, but he's a real jerk. That's what I heard. How would that impact the way that you listen to what I'm saying right now? I mean, of course, it'd be like, really? He's a big jerk, man. Yeah, that's what I heard. Based totally on a rumor. I mean, people will leave Watermark based on a rumor. Think about that. I'm leaving this church because of what I heard from someone from gossip. I mean, it is destructive. I'm leaving... uh, I'm making spiritual decisions 
that is the most important part of my life based on gossip that I hear from people around me. If you are spreading gossip, you're spreading an infection that is toxic to the church. It's like spreading cancer within it. And it can hide behind this kind of subtle, like it's not that big of a deal and it's just kind of how we bond. It is a big deal. It's a big deal to God. And it is toxic. And it has sadly been the thing that I've never heard of a church being torn apart because of, of adultery. I've never heard of it. Adultery will come in and it, it can be a big part and man, it's sad and tragic. But you know what tears churches apart all the time? Gossip. And it's poisoning your perspective and it poisons my perspective. Anytime that I hear gossip, it's impossible for to not change the way that I see something once I hear about it. Result number three is it corrupts your character. It corrupts your character. Here's what Proverbs 11, verses 12 and 13 says. A gossip goes around telling secrets. It's not that a gossip goes around telling things that are not true or telling things that uh, are true. A gossip goes around telling secrets. But those who are trustworthy can keep a confidence. They're able to restrain their tongue. They're wise over when they share things and what they should share and who they would share things with. That's what a trustworthy person does. An untrustworthy person, a person who has character problems, is a gossip. And it is corrupting your character. And even the fact that I think most of us think it's not a big deal reflects that's how corrupted our character has become. Like, like after, um, man, gossip is, is such um, a funny message to talk about because at some level, it may be the most participated in vice in this whole series. But you know what happens after a message on gossip? Like after a message on, on lust or sexuality or, um, man, anger and, and um, you know, dealing with uh, any number of things, there's always, there'll be tons of people that wanna come down and it's awesome and it's really encouraging and just, man, that's part of my story and I wanna talk through that and, and uh, I just wanna find healing from um, you know, my same-sex attraction or the abortion that I had or just I'm trying to work through forgiving my parents and all kinds of different uh, things that people wanna talk through after uh, topics like last week on lust or after topics um, that fit kinda into any of the, the uh, bigger buckets Gossip is probably more widely participated in by the church, by any of us in this room, than any of those topics. But you know what's going to happen after a message like this? It happens every time. Is nobody's coming down and being like, oh my gosh, I just have been carrying guilt for so long. I'm devastated that I'm a gossip. I've never once even, apart from us covering it in a specific message, I've never had someone come down front and pull me aside and be like, I just need to confess. I just feel like I've been too loose with my words recently. Here's why. Because we have a corrupted character. Like, I don't even think it's that big of a deal. Said another way, I have silenced the conviction of the Holy Spirit so many times that I become immune to it. And it's tragic. And it's disgusting. In other words, the Holy Spirit, it's not that if you have the Spirit of God, okay, you're a Christian. It's not that the Spirit of God is like, you know what, it's fine. Keep gossiping. It's that if you participate in gossip, you have silenced and silenced and ignored the Holy Spirit so many times, you're immune to it. It doesn't even feel like a bad thing. And it's a tragedy. And it will rip apart relationships, it will poison the way that you see the people around you unfairly. And it could even poison your relationship with the church, maybe even with God. It'll corrupt your character. Gossip, here's what's crazy, gossip is satanic. In the truest sense, I know that sounds like really, man, it feels like you're really hammering this. The first 
example we have of gossip in the Bible comes from Satan. It happens in, in the very first time. In other words, the very first time we're given somebody who talks negatively about someone who's not in the conversation is between Satan and Adam and Eve. That, in other words, Satan says, hey, Adam and Eve, you know God, he really doesn't want great things for you. He really doesn't care. He, he just is trying to rip you off and he talks negatively about someone who's not a part of the conversation. It is satanic in the truest sense. That's why God hates it. Paul in Titus 3, if you have a Bible, you can go read it later. But Paul says, man, if you, there's somebody who's creating division, if there's somebody who's introducing gossip into the church, three strike rule, warn them once. If they don't listen, warn them twice. If they don't listen, then kick them out. It's like one of the few things where you're like, Paul, take it easy, come on. It's just a, you know, through the grapevine talk. And he said, it's a big deal. And they need to be removed if they don't remove the gossip from inside of their hearts. Gossip is what put Jesus on the cross because the Jewish leaders at the time gossiped about him to the Roman rulers in order that they would have him crucified. It is a big deal. And so if the uh, reasons for gossip are bad, the results are just destructive in your life and in my life, how do we remove it? How do we remove it? And so let's talk about the removal of gossip from both individually and from the church. What's the remedy that we can have? And just to give you the headline, the remedy is gonna involve these four steps that are all about restraint, all about restraint. The good news is God's word makes it really, really clear what it looks like to uh, restrain your tongue or when and who to talk to about which different things. So what is the uh, removal of gossip look like? The first thing the Bible says is that you and I are talk to talk to people and not about people. Talk to people and not about people. Uh, Ephesians 4, verse 28 and 29 says this. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. What does unwholesome mean? But only what is helpful. Only talk about things that are helpful for building other people up according to their needs that you and I are to talk directly to people, not talk about them for the purpose of building them up and encouraging them, not speaking negatively about someone behind their back. Some of you, the best, you can just leave here with one resolution. I'm not gonna say anything negative about people behind their back. I mean, you, you, dude, you will be like, light your workplace on fire. You will be the rising star where everyone's like, there's something different about her. There's something different about him. I just don't say things, I don't say negative things about people behind their back. And I don't wanna hear negative things about them. We only, as Christians, we talk to people, not about people, for the purpose of being constructive and helping them. I think as a uh, person in, uh, I mean, it's not even just church, I think in general, but maybe in any sort of leadership, I, this can be a big struggle. And here's how I was thinking through it in my own life, this can be a challenge for me, is I can find myself doing what I would call like a compliment sandwich where I would say things like, I would feel the freedom to be like, hey, look, I love Garrett, okay? Garrett's our Fort Worth guy. I love Garrett, I'm a big fan, but you know, he's a little intense, okay? <laughs> that guy needs to just like take a break every once in a while and relax, man, it's okay, the tomb is empty. And, uh, and I can find myself feeling like I'm kind of justified in telling you that with him not there, because I'm, I'm just kind of saying my perception, and I'm saying positive things and negative things, and it's not okay. And it poisoned your perspective. Now on Garrett, you're like, that guy, man, take it easy, Garrett. Am I right? Gosh, man, loosen up. And it's not okay. And Garrett is, is Garrett, I'm sure you're relaxed right now. None of this stuff is true. Don't hold on to it. I've poisoned their perspective. Okay, so for me, that's what that looks like. But regardless, anytime that we talk to people and, and talk about people and not talk to people, we are in sin. We're stepping into gossip. The second quality is that we only talk to people, if you're a Christian, 
It means that to not gossip, to remove gossip from your life, you don't talk, I will not talk about you negatively behind your back. Not only that, I will not talk to anyone about this situation who's not a part of the problem. They weren't a part of whatever conflict was created, whatever tension, whatever the challenge that we're facing, who, a part of the problem or a part of the solution. I'm not gonna talk to anyone who's not a part of the problem or a part of the solution. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 18, verses 15. He lays out one of the clearest ways that you and I, if we're going to deal with one another and help one another grow in our faith and um, experience uh, you know, uh, the benefits that come from Christian community and accountability, he gives us path towards that. Here's what he says. If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. So if you see someone caught in sin, hey, I, I saw them stand in this hotel. I thought you were drunk at that bar. You know, it looked like you were dancing in a crazy way. I just feel like I need, for whatever reason, I feel like I need to share something with you. Jesus says you go one-on-one. -on -one. You go just to that person. And then if they don't listen there, or he says this, if they have listened, you've won them over, which is the whole purpose. The reason why we go and we point out things is not to rub their face and where uh, they're not doing uh, you know, perfect. The reason we go is so that they would experience growth in Jesus. Hey, I, I wanna see, uh, I wanna be God's man and point something out you may not know about. Is this true? And, uh, and he says, if they listen, you've won them over. But if they don't listen, Take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. What does that mean? He basically says, look, widen the circle. Bring another believer along and say, hey, look, uh, I sat down with Garrett and I gave him this advice. Maybe I'm off here. And so what do you think? JP, this is what I share with him. Here's what the situation is. And I bring somebody else that is involved in the conversation. And we work through that together. And if uh, they're still unrepentant and they're like, I'm just gonna do this. I don't care. And it's a sin issue. Then we bring it to the church. We widen the circle again. Jesus says you only talk to people who are part of the problem or part of the solution. So then we widen it. And in this context, it'd be looping in their small group. The church in this time was much smaller than everybody. Hey, let me put up a slideshow. This is Garrett, and he's got some issues, all right? So everyone needs to know, and it wasn't that. It was a small group of people. Get them all together. Hey, here's, here's what we're processing and working through, and I want you guys to know here's what we're coming together. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, Jesus says, you should treat them as a pagan or a tax collector, that if they refuse to be held accountable, then don't hold them accountable. How did Jesus treat pagans and tax collectors? He loved them. This isn't saying like you need to be mean and, and um, exclude them from your life. It's saying you need to treat them and love them, but don't seek to hold them accountable in the same way that you're to hold your brothers uh, in Christ and sisters in Christ accountable. That's the step. We only talk to people who are part of the problem or part of the solution. Here's what this means. If you come and you tell me gossip, you just made me a part of the problem and a part of the solution. Now, by nature of like, man, oh, you just told me that. Now I have to go and declare, I know that information now. I have to go say, hey, um, with you, JP, or with Garrett, so in this situation, let's say um, Steve comes and tells me something about Garrett. Sorry, buddy, wearing you out. Something about Garrett. And I'm like, great. Now I'm a part of the problem and the solution because he looped me in, so now I have to make sure he knows Garrett, here's what I heard from him, and I make sure that you know, if you're gonna tell me that, I gotta declare it. Like, we're, we're all for the unity of the Spirit and keeping the bond of peace, Ephesians uh, chapter four tells us. And so if you're gonna give me information that's negative about him, I'm gonna have to just declare it to everybody so that we can drag it into the light, and you just made me a part of the problem and a part of the solution. We only talk to people. 
who are about a part of the problem and a part of the solution. Think about how different your perception of church would be if, they, if people did this. Like how healthy that would be. I don't ever have to wonder, did they talk about me behind my back? I know that if they did, they would come tell me. Here's what we talked about you behind your back. Will you please forgive me? I mean, if any place on the planet should be one that feels just safe, and I don't have to go around with suspicion, it should be God's people. Which leads us to the fourth thing. Whenever we mess up, we ask for forgiveness. The fourth thing about removing gossip from your life, so the third thing, is that we remove or we ask for forgiveness quickly when we fall short. We ask for forgiveness quickly. Um, if I step into gossip, intentionally or unintentionally or unaware, and someone points it out and helps me see that, I ask for forgiveness from the person I gossiped about. Hey, I shouldn't have said this about you. I said this without coming to you first. Will you please forgive me? And I ask forgiveness for the person that I poisoned their perspective. I just shot delicious but terrible things for them into their heart as it relates to another person. How wicked and disgusting is that? And so I ask for forgiveness for that. And I bring everyone together as best I can and say, hey, will you please forgive me for sharing that about him? That was not right. Will you please forgive me? Here's what I shared. Um, and it was not right. And I should have come to you first. We ask for forgiveness. We own it quickly. Fourth thing. Man, this is so huge. Is that as it relates to gossip, we do not tolerate hearing it. We do not tolerate hearing it. In other words, you can't be passive. That in other words, if everybody leaves here and is like, great, I just won't talk about it myself, uh, that's not hitting the bullseye biblically. That you and I are called to not tolerate it. I won't allow you to inject delicious morsels in front of me. You bring those things around, I'm not taking them. Get them out of here. That you and I can't, because whatever we permit, we're essentially promoting. If I'm like, yeah, it's fine, you told me, and I'm okay with that. If we don't have uh, the posture of I'm not going to tolerate it. Here's what Proverbs uh, chapter 17, verse four says. Wrongdoers listen to gossip. Wrongdoers eagerly listen to gossip. Liars pay to close attention to slander. That you cannot biblically live in line with God's way and tolerate gossip. And so we've gotta be people who, if you bring information to me that is talking negative about someone who's not here, I'm gonna stop it, I'm gonna shut it down. This, this, like was, this changed my perspective of the church when I came here nine years ago. Um, for all the faults that Watermark has, one of the things that I think this place does exceptionally well, better than any place I've ever seen, is the leadership is fanatic about killing gossip, for sure at a staff level, and hopefully as far down as it can reach. I remember showing up nine years ago on staff, and, and, and there was this thing I was introduced to called, hey, on staff, we have a 24-hour rule. 24 hours. What's the 24-hour rule? The 24-hour rule is if you hear or if someone says something, if someone gossips about someone, someone shares something negative about them behind their back, they have 24 hours to contact that person and let them know what was shared. Here's what this looks like specifically. I remember sitting there and um, someone sharing in my presence, hey, you know, this is what Kyle's like and, you know, I just don't know that he, he really cares that much and he's all in. And, and honestly, he, he's been a little bit short. Pause, hey, have you shared this with Kyle? No, I haven't yet. I'm not even sure it would make a big difference. Okay, great. Well, hey, I know that he, Kyle, would love to know that. He wants to follow Jesus. He wants to grow. He wants to be better. And so will you contact, will you reach out and share that with him? Oh, man, I don't. In fact, in the next 24 hours, I want you to pick up the phone and call him and reach out and, and tell him that you told me this about him 
and just share how, uh, ask his forgiveness and also share how uh, you'd like to spur him on in that direction. I don't know if I can do that. That's so uncomfortable. Okay, if you don't in 24 hours, I'm gonna reach out to Kyle and I'm gonna tell him we had this conversation and I'm gonna let him know that, um, that this was an area you identified, but we all need to get together so we can process through this to be diligent, to preserve the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. Do you know what that did? Like, dude, this is so crazy. It made gossip unsafe. It made it so where if you gossip, you, you are not comfortable on staff. It made it so that people who like, you've talked bad about someone, like you, you bring those delicious morsels around, you're like, yeah, I'm gonna take these home. If you're baking these things, you are not comfortable on staff because you would be immediately rushed in on. That is not okay. Because what happens whenever you have to sit down and you have to call Kyle and be like, Kyle, yeah, I said that um, you don't really care that much about God and you're ugly. You're like, that's, that's uncomfortable. I think we can all agree there. And yet it is the loving thing to do to say, I'm not gonna tolerate gossip. I'm not gonna tolerate you doing it. And I have a role to play in it. Wrongdoers listen to gossip. And so if you're gonna bring that to me, I have an obligation and a responsibility as a follower of Jesus because the church is gonna get a bad reputation. The church has a bad reputation as it relates to gossip. And so I'm gonna do anything and everything I can to make sure that gossip is not safe as far as it relates to me. The reasons that we gossip are not good. I'm gonna land the plane. The results of gossip, man, they're so toxic. And tragically, one of the biggest results is it, it's, it's a mockery to the world around us. This is how important your God is? This is what Christianity really does to your life? Not that much? This is how important your relationships, your love for one another is? And the removing of gossip is possible and there are steps that God has laid out inside of scripture where we talk to people, not about people. We only talk to people who are part of the problem or part of the solution. We ask forgiveness when we fall short because that's gonna happen. And we do not tolerate hearing gossip. I will not tolerate hearing gossip. I will not talk negatively about anyone that is not present. And I will only talk in a way that's helpful for building someone up. Jesus really gives us like the ultimate um, example of, of what it looks like to use your words well. Like if anybody could have gossiped, it's gotta be the son of God who knows everything that everyone has ever done ever. And even their thoughts. I mean, truly, like you think about it, you, it, we have no record, Jesus never did. But if anybody could have, it'd be like, oh, you like Bob, really? Let me tell you about Bob. Okay, here's what Bob does when no one's watching. I'm watching. And he uh, could have. We don't have any record of that. What Jesus does with his tongue is entirely different. Anytime he's talking about someone who's not present, he doesn't use it to slander, to talk bad. He uses it in a very different way. Do you know that there's an occasion where God talks about you behind your back? There's a place in scripture where he literally talks about, if you're a Christian, he talks about you. And he says something very interesting as it relates to the topic at hand. As it relates to just the um, topic of gospel and how destructive and divisive it is. And how it has no place in the church. There's one place where Jesus says, he talks about you behind your back. It's in his last moments or really last hours that he has on the planet where he's about to be betrayed by Judas and he has this, this thing called the high priestly prayer. It's in the, uh, John chapter 17. And in it, he begins to pray a number of different things, but one of the things that he prays relates to you and is right on the topic of what we're talking about as it relates to gossip. And here's what he says. 
Jesus speaking and praying. Father, I'm praying not only for these disciples, his 12, but also for anyone who will ever believe in me through their message. If you're a Christian, this is, he prayed for you. And here's what I pray, that they would all be united or be one, just as you and I are one. That the same unity the Trinity has that they would have together in 2018, in 2019, 2014, that anyone who would ever believe in me would have this unity together, not be divided. And as you are in me and the Father, I am in you, and that they may be in us together united so that the world will believe that you sent me. This is why gossip is so dangerous and it's so disgusting and it's so tragic to a watching world. It's like, man, yeah, your God's a big deal. You guys are dysfunctional. And if anybody should be experts in the ability to handle relationships, maintain trust, it's gotta be the people of God. I have given them the glory, verse 22, that you have given me so that they would be one as we are one. And I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. I mean, Jesus. Jesus, one of his last prayer, the last prayer he prays is, God, here's what I'm praying. Father, for anyone who ever will believe the message that these 12 right here are gonna go out and spread, for anyone who will ever accept that message, if you're a Christian, that's you. I'm praying that they will be so united together that the body of Christ or the church or anyone ever believes would have this unity that you can't explain in any other way other than it's divine. That when it comes to their relationships, they don't see themselves as I gotta protect my back and no one else is looking for me. They're going, I'm all about you, I care about you. We're gonna be united around Jesus, united around truth, and I'm not gonna allow any divisive language or any divisive talk to slip in here because I'm the body of Christ. And here's what Jesus said is at stake. If they do that, what happens, Jesus said? When that happens, he says, the world looks and goes, yeah, Jesus is God. There's something different about those guys. The savior of the world is really Jesus. It is Jesus who came into the world and that God is out there, he sent him. That's what he prays. That the result of when the church is united in that way, when they are not divided or they don't allow divisiveness to come in, is that the world looks and says, maybe he really is the son of God. How important is removing gossip? Jesus says it's the hope of the church. Gossip is the opposite of the gospel. Gossip says I'm good because he's bad. I feel better because he's worse. I'm strong because they're weak. The gospel is I'm weak, Jesus is strong, he's king, and I'm not gonna let anything come in the way of his people. That's the message of Jesus. That's the message of the gospel. Gossip flies in the face of even Jesus' message. Jesus said on the cross, I will pay for anyone who would accept what I did in their place. I'm dying for them. For all of eternity, I'm paying past, present, future, any sin. If anyone will accept, I'm dying in their place. Put your faith, your trust in me, not in how good of a person you are. And if you do that, I will not count your sins against you. You will be counted as righteous. Gossip, gossip among Christians is saying, those righteous people, I'm counting their sins against them. It is satanic, it is unchristlike, and it has no place among the body of Christ in the church. And anyone who gossips here, including me, has no 
action to take other than to repent, ask for forgiveness, cling to God's grace that he's offered and to continue to not permit it, to not allow it when I hear it. And I need you to do the same if you hear it from me. And Jesus says, if you do that, you wanna know how powerful that is? Jesus, is it really that big of a deal? It's the hope of the world. Because when the church is united, people go, man, he is the son of God. And he is the son of God. Let me pray. Father, would you help us? Sadly, for far too long, the church has been a place that has been filled with toxic conversations, people spreading lies and rumors and slander and disgusting things. Father, would that end with our generation? And would we begin just a movement, even among God's people, inside of our own country, maybe just inside of our city, and maybe just inside of this room where, you know what? We're not gonna take it. We're not gonna tolerate gossip. We're not gonna talk negatively about people. And we're gonna showcase that there's something different about us because of Jesus. We're gonna showcase our unity and oneness. And in doing so, we're gonna showcase you're the son of God, the savior of the world the king. For anyone who doesn't know you, Father, would tonight be the night that they see, despite maybe the failed representations of the church on oneness, that tonight they would see and accept by faith what you did for them on the cross.